Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the JDA Football Podcast. Now, I would say this past week, so, but it's been the Euros and there's been a lot to talk about. Um, so I'll say, how are you guys doing first? Joe, you weren't with, with us last week, but you are this week. Are you all right? Yes, I am good. Thank you for asking. How are you? Good, good thank you. Um, Alex, how are you? I'm, I'm very good, thank you. Good, good, good. Right, so we'll kick it off with England. Um Simple way to say it, they beat Croatia 1-0, England's first ever win in a Europe ga- opener game. Sorry, um, Calvin Phillips assisted Raheem Sterling MBE a week after accepting the honour. Um, so he got the goal, Sterling got his goal. Uh, but the man of the match, that was the big question. Was Sterling sort of, did it, should he have deserved it? I know he got the goal, but Calvin Phillips had, many people's had a better individual performance. Yeah, I definitely think Calvin Phillips, uh, although he didn't get the winning goal, he did get the assist. And overall, it's just like style of play, breaking up play just in front of Declan Rice was was just immense. And I think he really won it for us. Um, without him, we would have been pretty lost in midfield, I think, maybe if we had like Jordan Henderson fit or something. So I think he was, although a lot of people criticise Southgate for his selection with Phillips and everything, I think he uh, did him proud and, and definitely played one of the best games of his life. So, uh, yeah, good for him. No Grealish starting, Joe. What did you think of that when the team first came out? I was a bit confused. I think everyone was. I think if we'd played Grealish and Mount together, we could have had a much higher scoring game. But um, I think we played well considering the more controversial decisions with the team sheet. I think... uh, it might sound biased, but I think Mings was also a very good shout for the man of the match because I, I think he was an absolute rock in defence. He was so good. Yeah, um, we'll speak about some controversial decisions now. So Shaw and Chilwell got left out for Kieran Trippier, who started left-back for the fourth time in his career. Have a guess, all of them were for England that he started left-back, none uh, for his club. Um, so yeah, it, was it a tactical masterclass by Southgate or was it just to even the defence out with experience, do you reckon, Alex? Oh, I'm not really sure because I thought his team selection pretty much like altogether was very, very good. But the one thing I'd say was wrong is uh, the full-backs, as you just mentioned, like Trippier. Although he had a decent game, I think um, either Shaw, as you said, or Chilwell would have done a better job than him. I think they would have been more Shaw, definitely in the attack. Uh, and then Trippier was probably the best defender out of the three. Uh, but you could probably argue for sure. And then Walker, I didn't think looked comfortable in many uh, situations. I definitely would have started um, James over him. So, yeah, I think overall, Gareth Southgate's uh, tactics and his lineup was quite good. But, um, yeah, everything but the fullbacks, I think, was, was spot on. The defence actually seemed quite solid. Only two chances, really, that Croatia had uh, from AC Manzante Rebic and Ivan Perisic. So it wasn't too bad. What do you reckon we can take into the next game, Joe, with the defensive performance like that? I think we can rely on our defence a lot more because it felt... I I don't know how to wait. I felt like we were playing negatively. Uh, we yeah. were just playing on the counter-attack, whereas I think we could have a much, much more exciting Euros if we let the defence do their job and we press further up the pitch with our attack. Yeah, the funny thing is, I felt it as well, I thought we were more defensive uh, on the ball. But then the possession stats afterwards, it was 50% both ways. And I didn't, I didn't think it, it didn't really... didn't feel like that, did it? No, it didn't reflect the game, really. It always felt like we were either tracking backwards or just letting them run at us. Yeah, um, but Jude Bellingham, the youngest player ever to play uh, for England in the Euros game, uh, came on for Harry Kane. Absolutely extraordinary, isn't it, really? How he's the same age as me, and no, no, the same age as you two, and a year uh, younger than me. Yeah. It's mad. <laughs> if you got he's something making... to sh- share, Joe. <laughs> no, Alex is just something, something weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> Triple figures a week. What, what uh, guy? Also, uh, uh, news. Six figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, news that came out this week, goalkeeping wise, Aaron Ramsdale's replaced Dean Henderson as a third choice goalkeeper, uh, with Henderson having a hip injury. Will he be a massive miss? Do we trust? Do we have enough faith in uh, Johnston and Ramsdale? That's a hard one. I don't think Henderson, like Henderson's, probably more likely to get a minute than. Um, 
than Johnston was, but I'm not sure. I, I definitely don't think, even though Ramsdale has replaced him, I don't think he'll get a minute, but I definitely would have preferred Henderson. But um, yeah, seeing as how calm Pickford was and he had a, a pretty good game in, in the game against Croatia, I don't think uh, he'll be dropping out if it's not due to injury anytime soon. So who would you start Sam Johnston over Pickford, Pickford if he was injured? I'd definitely start Johnston. I think uh, even though he's only like had one cap to Ramsdale's like zero, uh, I think he's uh, a more competent goalkeeper than Ramsdale. And yeah, as I said, he has a tiny bit more experience. It's not much, but I'd definitely prefer him in goal. Do you agree, Joe, with Aaron Ramsdale playing under-21s football for England as well? Yeah, I think um, Pickford will definitely start, but over Ramsdale, I'd pick Johnson, yeah. Now I'll look up the upcoming game, of course. Um, I'll get a quick prediction off you, Joe, because we didn't uh, get one from the Scotland game. What's your score prediction for tomorrow? Because we're recording on a Thursday. Uh, which game, sorry? England versus Scotland at Wembley. Eight o'clock kickoff. Oh, um, 2-0 to England. Uh, John McGinn, said he had a go at the English media for portraying Scotland badly. Uh, and I don't think they are a bad team. They played really well. They were, it was just a really unlucky game against Switzerland. But um, yeah, I, I just think we have the better team. We've got more quality. Yeah, we'll come on to that Czech Republic game in a minute. But we actually have got them on Tuesday, 8 o'clock. Um, Wembley again, England being the away side in this game, uh, but they're playing at home. It's weird how they say it, but that's the way it is with this Euros. Uh, what's your result for this one, Alex? strange because like in the Scotland Croatia game I actually saw a lot more as Joe said from Scotland attacking wise and although Croatia uh, Croatia uh, Czech Republic defended quite well I think we'll be able to get past that so I'm going to go oh I'm going to go 2-0 to, to England 2-0 Joe what's your score prediction for the Czech Republic game I really forgot that 3-0 to England Ooh, we're going to knock them out of the park on so-called yes. Derby Day, it's been called this week. So we'll move on to Wales now. Their first game of the Euros came last Saturday. Uh, one all in the end against Switzerland. Breland Bolo opening the scoring and target man Kiefer Moorhead's Wales' first goal of the Euros campaign. Wales were slow out of the blocks, really, weren't they, Alex, with the Swiss dominance, the majority of the first half. And it sort of prevailed with Severovic. Should have probably scored three times, really, in that first half. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was sloppy, but sometimes in the midfield with the the two defensive midfielders and Morel and Allen and then um, uh, Aaron Ramsey kind of pushing up, it looked like uh, Wales had a very empty gap in the middle. So I feel like Switzerland could... Um, like utilize that with with the almost five midfielders and the wing backs as well. So they definitely dominated with the midfield and created the more chances. And as you said, Ferovic had enough chances to score two or three. But um, obviously, Mbolo put them in front. I think he was he missed a chance beforehand. There was a very good chance, and then uh, he scored the header afterwards. So yeah, a very good performance from him. And I'd honestly give him the man of the match as well. So yeah, I think was it Connor Roberts that was on him uh, on the corner? Yeah. Poor defending. I think he, he was facing the other way, yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of a mismatch, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Considering how tall Mbolo is. Um, Joe, the leaders, Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale, uh, they weren't involved in the game really quite a lot, but then the last 10 to 15 minutes, they started to get a bit more into the game. Why do you reckon over that long spell they weren't involved very much? I mean, Wales did have 35% possession. Wales were on the back foot for a lot of that game. Um, they were just sort of there. There wasn't much real competition um, and to be honest Alex I think you were lucky to pull it back for the draw they should have absolutely walloped you there I think uh, was it something like 16 or 18 shots um, Switzerland had and they only managed yeah, to register one so yeah that's some sort of the game really 30 degrees in Baku for the game Alex hard conditions wasn't it to be played for yeah, very hard, especially with the the amount of defending that Wales had to do. Uh, a lot of running and then uh, in that much heat is very hard. But I think we did well to to graft the chances and then we put the one away that we created. So, yes, yeah, a, a well-earned point. 
We'll move on to the next game now against Turkey. Wales won 2-0. 34 shots from both sides combined, the most in this Euros so far. Rob Page stuck with the same start in 11 against Switzerland. Wales' best chance uh, was the first half and ended up as a goal, really, with Aaron Ramsey. He had a couple before, didn't he, Alex? Yeah. But this one, he managed to slot home, and it was very well done by Just Bale Just a link well. up with Bale. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, the vision with that ball. Oh, it. that was beautiful. I was like, oh, creamed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think Ramsey should have scored two or three from almost the exact same position. Um like beforehand but it's a good job he put that away and I mean it was very good for us to go in uh, 1-0 in the first half but it did mean that Turkey came out in the second half like all guns blazing and we had to to defend with our with our lives and I think Danny Ward if it wasn't uh, going to Aaron Ramsey or Gareth Bale I think he deserved man of the match as well because some of the saves he made in the Switzerland game as well uh, really kept Wales in the competition it was that one nearer to the end of the game wasn't it from the corner that was the vital one yeah uh, I think the I think it was uh, Zalea Chuck uh, fouled Bale, didn't he, in the penalty box? Bale steps up to take it, misses it by. It was quite a big margin or different, wasn't was yeah. it, from the goal and <laughs> up in the yeah, stands? He was a while off. <laughs> so was... when he was running up, like he, he didn't look confident at all. He was like shaking. He was looking everywhere, and I, th- I think deep in in a lot of Wales spotters, mind you, we knew he was going to miss it, but um, yeah. He bounced back though, didn't he? He made up for it on the corner masterclass. I mean, with the assist, he did it yeah. twice. <laughs> Surely uh, Turkey would know that it's happened once, so don't let it happen again. But on the second time, it looked even more easier for the goal, didn't it? Yeah, he just oh, like skipped past them. Yeah, and then obviously cut it back for for Connor Robertson, just poor from the goalkeeper, but uh, I mean a good finish. So, yeah. Yeah, it was good to see Wales sticking up for themselves as well. I saw uh, Yilmaz get pushed over by, I think yeah. it was uh, Ben Davis, and then Chris Meppham got involved. All of them got yellow carded. Welsh Mafia. Yeah, I was about to say, it's good to see that Wales aren't getting pushed over, isn't it? Because sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes they could do, couldn't they? Especially because of yeah. the game might be go, not going their way in the result in the past couple of years. But, I mean, it, I say that, but then... Then they've got then they've got a sixty three percent win possession win rate sorry, uh, which is the biggest in Euros history. So it's it's not too bad considering everyone thinks that they're not going to do as well as they did in twenty sixteen, is it? No, I think we definitely don't have as much character, and uh, the team's a lot younger, as I said in the uh, the last one of these we did. But um, I mean, they showed as much character as they could, and I think with four points we're almost guaranteed now like if we finish the band Switzerland which I think Switzerland after either win 5-0 or we have to lose 5-0 to get ahead of us with goal difference so it's going to be hard for them but um, yeah very very good yeah uh, is it so if you lose to Italy to Italy 3-0 and they win 2-0 against Turkey yeah then it goes down to something like yellow cards yeah and then, and then if the yellow cards are equal, which they are right now, it then goes to the country ranking. So Switzerland will go oh. ahead because they're historically a bigger like football club than you. Wow. Wow. Weird. That's, that's it's a bit weird how that <laughs> I mean, it, it, you might be a bit worried, Alex, because the past two games in the Euros, Italy have won 3-0. So. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like Italy have won 3-0 from the start, so... Uh, I think Wales play a bit more defensive football than, than Switzerland and Turkey, so hopefully we'll have a bit more joy defending against Italy than than the other two did. But yes, yeah, it's, it's not really looking good. Just staying with the Turkey game for one more minute. Uh, the crowd, do you reckon sort of Wales thrived off it? Because in Baku and Azerbaijan, they have quite a lot of massive support with Turkey. It was quite hard to play against. So do you reckon the players, the Welsh players, used it as an advantage to them to say, we'll go and win this if everyone's against us, really? Yeah, I mean, it's a very hard atmosphere to play and all the Turkey fans, every time you have the ball screaming at you and everything. So, uh, as you said, they probably took that to their advantage and the big players like Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale stepped up in this game and, and ultimately won it for us. 
Now we'll go on to the game that Joe was talking about then. Italy away at the Stadio Olimpico for Wales, Sunday, 5 o'clock. Now, like I said before, last two games, three goals to nil. Uh, it would be hard to break down the Italians. Of course, they've not had a single goal conceded against them in this Euro so far. And I believe they've got something like 18 or 16 clean sheets in a row. So it's going to be hard to break them down. But what's your score prediction, Alex? I think I got, I got about the brethren, nil-nil. I'm thinking yeah. 3-1 to Italy. 3-1. Or do you think Wales will manage to get a goal? I reckon they'll manage to get one. And James down the wing. No, it'll be another Bale like, masterclass. Uh, he'll assist, but he won't score. I'll be interested to see the battle between Kiefer Moore and Bonucci and Chiellini mm. at the back. That will be a very good aerial duel battle. Mm. So Yunchu versus uh, Kiefer Moore as well. That was a good battle as well. So. Yeah. I wonder, do you reckon they'll put Joe Allen on Locatelli after he scored two goals the other night? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Joe Allen will do a job on him, I'm sure. There's no way he's at Sassuolo after this. He's, no, he's just he, too good for them. He'll definitely move. I'm surprised we didn't put him in our predictions for um, yeah. unknown player, but I did Barella, so virtually the same team. Right, so Scotland, we'll go on to them now. They suffered their first defeat of the first game back in the Oros for 23 years. Patrick Schick ruined the party at Hamden. Two goals in 10 minutes, the second being a Puskas goal of the year contender. A solid performance by him in the Czech Republic, wasn't it, Alex? But you can't never doubt the Scots. They'll come back in these two games. Yeah, definitely. As I've said before, I think Scotland probably showed more uh, offensively and especially when um, when they brought Che Adams on. I thought uh, he reignited the attack very well. Um, but I mean, you can't uh, doubt the Czech Republic's defence as well. They, they defended very well. Uh, Kufal and Suchek, I think they really helped. And then Schick with two moments of magic, I think... Um, yeah, he really won it for them. But um, yeah, I, as you said, I definitely think Scotland aren't out of it. And if they can maybe get even a point against England and then um, maybe even win against uh, Croatia, then I think they'll be good. Was that goal lucky, Joe, do you reckon? Or do you reckon he's just hit it and hope for the best? There was a bit of luck involved. But I think he's he's seen his opportunity and he's just booted it. Um the technique was mad. It, it was mad technique. The ball swinging around is so cool. But um, yeah, I think Scotland, the scoreline definitely didn't represent how well Scotland played. I don't think they deserve any slack for that game. Like They could have been better defensively, but um, I think overall they played really nice football. They had 19 shots and only four on target. How hard was it with Che Adams not fully fit? He came on in the second half and then an unreliable Lyndon Dykes up front. I mean, they got four chances. They only buried none of them. I was about to say one of them, but none. Um, is that pretty worrying considering the rest of the team looks good? But then Joe did say the defence does look a bit worrying as well. Well, it's definitely something to work on. And I think the more games that they do play, the more clinical they're going to get. Like They're going to sink into games more and hopefully take their chances uh, and I mean, with, with Robertson and hopefully Tierney to come back, I think they'll just keep on creating more chances. And then with Armstrong and McTominay and McGinn in the midfield, uh, yeah, there'll just be more chances to, to feed off and hopefully they can score more goals. You can really see that they need Tierney, can't you, Joe? Especially with the counter-attack that Czech Republic did on the threat. Definitely, definitely. They're really lacking in defence. And um, in the attack as well, every shot just seemed like hit it and hope for the best almost like they didn't really seem to have a good strike a good clean like chance there was four of them obviously but like it just didn't seem enough with the amount of shots there was yeah I don't know if Ollie McBurney's in the squad he probably he might not be but if he was in the squad would you start him of course he played for Sheffield United they've been relegated but he adds that element of a target man which Lyndon Dykes and Che Adams don't really have to the game. I think he's been left out because of the shocking season that his team had. But I think you have to rate him for how well he did with what he was given. Because he, he was a standout player in that squad for me. 
So the upcoming game, Croatia. Well, of course, they've got England. We've uh, spoke about that, but when it'll this will come out Saturday, uh, it'll be a bit delayed. Um, but the Croatia Tuesday at five o'clock at Hampden Park. What's your score prediction for this one, Alex? And how do you think it'll play out? I think Scotland will have a bit more energy, um, especially if they do get something out of the England game. Um, this is technically a must-win game, and even if they do uh, end up winning it, they still have a chance of getting third and, um, yeah, going through in third. So I think I think it's going to be, I don't know, 1-0 Scotland. 1-0. What are you going for, Joe? Do you reckon Scotland can make it out of the group? I think it'll be a tough game, but I'm saying two on Scotland. So do you do either of you think that Scotland will make it out of the group or will Czech Republic get that third spot? I'm hoping that Scotland make it out. For all we know though, Croatia oh, might wow. not even make it. <laughs> you just yeah. don't know, do you? So we'll go on to the big games that have happened this past week. Start with the opener. Italy beat Switzerland 3-0 with Italy scoring over two goals for the first time in the Euros competition. The goals are Fomero's own goal, Chiro Immobile and Napoli's Lorenzo Insigne getting the other goals. How deadly are Italy and this underdog mentality, mentality they've got with no one putting them as a winner in this. But the motivation that they've got, Alex, it's quite good, isn't it? Because everybody's put them down, but now they've proven everyone right or wrong. Sorry. Yeah, they they didn't qualify for the the 2018 World Cup, and I think they've really took that in. And um, yeah, I think I don't know if you saw the uh, the national anthems yesterday. They were belting them out, uh, and you can see how much passion every player has for the for the country. So if they can keep this mentality, I think they'll go very far. And in the group stage, they've definitely shown their quality. And ultimately, they've um, whitewashed every team they've come up against. Would you say Italy a threat, Joe? Especially with the attack force that they've got and the defence is reliable as well. And especially because everybody thought that they were just going to sit back the classic Italian way and score one goal and sit back, especially with Mancini. But they went out and pressed Turkey very much. I think... Um... They, they've been insane. The, the, I messaged to the chat, didn't I? It was a four-man press at times against yeah. Turkey. Turkey looked all over the place, to be fair. But I think um, Italy played really well that game and got some momentum out of it because they're like, we can do this because we're playing so well. And uh, I think that's how they've managed to absolutely destroy every team that they've come across. But it's the, really the, the good pressing and uh, attacking football that's really surprised me from Italy. They've got nothing to worry about, really. It reminds me a bit of England in the 2018 World Cup. Young set of players, no one really expects a great deal and they go and prove everyone wrong, really, like putting doubts on them. Could you see similarities and could you see them going the full way? I'll go first with you, Alex. I, like As you said before, no one's really, uh, before the tournament, said that Italy could do it. They haven't really got the best squad. But looking at everyone who's played like recently in the tournament, who probably favourites like France, they didn't look very good. Germany didn't look their normal self. Um, so, other than Belgium, I don't think there's any team that's going to compete with them with the form that they're currently in. So, um, if we don't have a, a an Italy Belgium final, I'll be very surprised. Do you think Italy can go all the way, Joe? I think they'll make it to the semis, but I, I still think. The final will probably be France versus Germany. If not, it'll be France versus maybe us or Portugal. I think, uh, Alex, were you saying last week that if we get out of our group, do we face somebody from the group of death? Is that how it goes? Yeah, I think if we finish first, we get second in that group. And if we finish second, we get first in that group. So I don't think uh, it's, it's gone very well for us in the draw. I think it's it's really inevitable, isn't it, that Portugal are come, going to come second and France are going to come first. So, you think Portugal will come second? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Game, I mean, it was a three 0 battering, and they only showed up in the eighty fourth minute, didn't they? So, I'm not too sure. But then France looked very consistent against Germany, but then Germany got in behind. So, it's got his highs and lows. I don't know really know why. Where do you think they're going to finish, Joe? First. Portugal? Yeah, or third. No, I think France will win. And I think Germany will come second. I think it's going to come down to that Germany 
Portugal game, isn't it? Yeah, which is wins next one. week. Yeah. yeah. Wait, so. you mean in the group or? Yeah, in the group. Because oh, I think they'll all beat they'll they'll all beat Hungary, and then seeing as France have beat uh, Germany anyway, so and then France, I guess they're going to beat Portugal, but you never know. I thought you meant in the whole Euros. No, France. It'll be France and then Portugal, I think, in the in the group stage. But Germany will do well in the uh, uh, knockout faces. Yeah. So uh, staying with the game, sorry, the Italy game. Um, looking on the Turkey sides of things, we both had them as our dark horses. Alex, how wrong were we? Yo, Maz, uh he isn't really used to playing up front as a lone striker, really, is he? He's normally paired with uh, Jonathan David. Uh, at Lille but he needs to drop a bit deeper I think because he seems to be chasing the ball quite a lot and Italy were just passing it back to the keeper yeah it was very hard for him to get in the game like the the lone striker and then the wingers I noticed weren't getting very far up the pitch they cut inside a lot so he was definitely on his own for most of the match and they struggled to create chances if it wasn't just a long ball to him and then ultimately he was getting bullied by the two centre-backs so it was very hard for him that game and even in the Wales game he got more chances but he didn't put any of them away. He probably had some of Turkey's best chances. And yeah, it's just not really been his tournament. What do you reckon went so bad for Turkey, Joe? Because everyone had them as the dark horses. Do you reckon it's just all this dark horse mentality that they've got into them and it's just come through nothing now? Maybe it is the pressure, but I don't, they just looked weak. I, I haven't seen much of them. I saw them against Italy, but they just looked really weak against Italy. They did not look... Like they didn't even qualify for the Euros. It was just all over the shop. And I think maybe that threw them off a bit. But yeah, I think a lot of it is a mental game for them. Because they have the youngest team in the tournament and then the oldest manager in the tournament. So there's there's two sides to that yet again. But it's surely the ex- and the Coke. Yeah. Surely the experience should of the managers should really take over, especially with like Yilmaz, who's been in the Turkey squad for a long time now. Surely you would expect them to at least get out of the group. And it looks like it's not really going to do that now, does it? Because the, they had to win one of the first two games, didn't they? So it doesn't look that like that's going to happen. I'll go on to the next game now. Denmark versus Finland. It was 1-0 to Finland, but it was overshadowed by the unfortunate events with Christian Eriksen, who who went down with a cardiac arrest. Um, Now, it's terrible what happened, wasn't it? I mean, was anyone watching it live? Yeah. Yeah. You just saw him, didn't you? And when he went to the floor, I I didn't think at first he, he had fainted. As stupid as a sound, I thought he could have like maybe had a quick heart attack and died. But thank God he's with us now. But what was your first thoughts, Alex, when you thought saw it, and you, Joe, uh, when you saw it later on? We'll go with you first, Joe. What was your thoughts? I thought it looked like he pulled a muscle, and then everyone sort of waited a couple of seconds for him to get up. Like there were people going over to him to check he was all right, and then he just didn't get back up. He didn't move, and that was really, really scary for me. Because um, he's like a, he's a fit guy. He's not like an an elderly person. It just shows it can happen to anyone. But I think did you did you see what the doctor had said about it? What did he say? The medic who first arrived on the scene said that he managed to speak to like when they revived him. They said that he managed to speak to Ericsson before they took him off the pitch. So he was conscious before he got to the hospital, which is really good. I think that's what saved his life. And I think um, it could, from the like short amount of time that he was gone, I think um, they might have even saved his career as long as there's no underlying conditions. Yeah. I think there's been news lately that he's had, a, I think it's called like a heart restarter implemented and something. And I think... Um, I don't know whether he's going to go out to football or not, but uh, yeah, I think preservation of life is, is more important than his career at the moment. I mean, because it went out for so long and then I saw the white sheet come and when a white sheet comes, it doesn't look good, does it? So when they were like surrounded him, but we'll go away from that. We'll start with the Denmark team and then we'll go on to uh, the coverage and what happened over there. The Denmark team, um, 
Kajar really showed what a captain was there, wasn't he? I believe he even got involved with the CPR. So apparently he's been up for grabs uh, for the AC Milan captaincy after what he did. But that's what you want from your captain. I mean, for him to take uh, the experience that he's got alone, being in, what, two, two World Cups, ridiculous how good he is. And to have that mentality to just get everyone around in a circle, that's a proper captain that you want in your team or country, isn't it? And yeah, then... he, he acted before his emotions, yeah. Um, he did everything right. And then, obviously, Kasper Schmeichel and him consoled uh, Ericsson's girlfriend while it was all happening. So, yeah, he put others before him. And, and yeah, ultimately, as you said, that's what you want from your captain. I think it was really good how he... Um, he'd obviously been trained medically or something because he placed him in the recovery position to make sure he wasn't choking on his tongue or anything. And then after that, the whole team formed a circle around him, as you said, Dan. But then even the staff, the staff came and placed towels over the players so that the cameras could not see anything. And I think that was really good. But um, I don't think you can blame them for losing that game at all. Because there were players crying, they were, they were emotionally finished, they were exhausted after that game. And um, I think that might almost stay with them throughout this Euros. It would be really good if they can bounce back from that. Yeah, of course, today they did lose, unfortunately, 2-1 to Belgium because Belgium came out with a brilliant last 30 minutes. But Simon Kier, Alex... I just want to focus on him a little bit more. He couldn't really um, cope with the rest of the game. The manager said after the game, he said it really got into his head. And I'd, I'd, I mean, it's quite hard to get it out of your head, it really, isn't it? Especially how he helped him. So the second half performance from Denmark, which play, play resumed at half seven, he got taken off the pitch around the 60th, 50th minute mark. Drekken from then on, they sort of struggled Definitely. I think as long, like, obviously he's the captain, he's going to be missed if he's not playing, but all the players as well, it's just going to be running around their head that anything could be happening at this point. And I think, um, I don't know whether you heard the the interview with Peter Schmeichel. I think they were given the, the choice to play the match now, like the, an hour later, play the match the next day or forfeit it 3-0. So I know I kind of understand why they chose to play it then, but um, ultimately everything really got into their head and they ended up lo- losing it as well. So. Did you two think it was too early to restart? Because I think the majority of people thought it was. I don't think that was enough time because it was a shocking experience and those players were probably playing while they were still coping with that shock. And I I think it would have been good if they'd done it the next day, but um, that would have messed around with the Euro timetable quite a bit. So, What were your thoughts of the coverage that took place? Now, I believe, before we start talking about it, I believe... The feed that was shown or that was shown on our TVs was UEFA. So this is UEFA cameramen taking control. So it wasn't BBC. The BBC could have cut short. Probably that was the ideal scenario that they could have done uh, rather than the commentators having to commentate over what was terribly happening. But Joe, I just want to get your thoughts on it first. What do you reckon they could have done better and should have done better? And what do you think was out of their hands really that they couldn't really do? UEFA should have panned away. They didn't need that footage of him. It was purely like money grabbing. It was just grabbing people's attention because, uh, let's be honest, the general public is kind of morbid. Um, but I think BBC could have handled it better as well. I think they should have immediately cut away to Gary. As long the moment they knew that it wasn't a cramp or him tripping up, I think they should have cut away. Because um, there's no need to expose that to the media. It's probably going to be one of Ericsson's dark, one of Ericsson's darkest times in his life, and um, everyone's seen it. It was pretty shocking, yeah, and it was pretty shocking for everyone involved. And I don't think that needs to be broadcast. Alex, the fans can't do a great deal unless they let them out of the stadium, but then the game did resume in the end. However, the media outlets could have done something and it wasn't just BBC, it was a number of other outlets, media outlets as well that carried on. Is that pretty poor to think, we think of the BBC as a higher standard in the UK especially? Yeah, I mean, as as Joe said, I think as soon as they realised it wasn't just like a normal injury and 
there was like a genuine risk of someone's life, then they should have cut away. And it was just very, very disturbing. All the things they were showing, like you, even though the the Denmark players were surrounding them, you could like see them doing chest compressions and stuff. And for for anyone watching it who's probably even under the age of sixteen, it's going to be very distressing. And they should have taken that into account. And ultimately, they didn't. They just worked on probably viewer attention and everything like that. So. Yeah, it's definitely very poor from them. But um, I think Gary Lineker, after everything happened, he said it was UEFA's camera, but there's there's nothing stopping the BBC from just cutting away. Yep. And we'll go on to the next game now. Netherlands versus Ukraine, 3-2 in the end to Netherlands. Netherlands were 2-0 up, scored through Weghurst, uh, and I believe it was Dumfries scored the winning goal. And then I believe, was it? De- well, it wasn't Depay, wasn't it? Was it a known goal? Uh, Wayne Aldum. Why? Oh yeah, Wayne Aldum slotted it in the top left. Um, just before we go on to the other plays, the second goal from Weg Weghorst, um, the Netherlands striker who plays for Wolfsburg. Can you two guess the two players that have scored more goals in the Bundesliga than him this season? Lewandowski. Yeah. And Haaland. Haaland. Yes. Combination. Great man's minds think alike. So, yep. He's proven golf scorer, uh, golf scorer, goal scorer, and he came into flourishing there. Um, what did we think of the games? Because, well, this game in particular, sorry. Um, Netherlands were leading. Then why do you reckon it also almost turned a bit with Yarmolenko scoring that outstanding goal? Do you reckon Netherlands just, it sounds a bit weird, Joe, but just forgot to defend for 10 minutes? I think they got too relaxed because I don't think anyone was expecting Ukraine to come back from that and but they did and I, I was um I was watching I was like what has happened because I turned away and then they'd scored I was like what what's going on and they scored again I was like no no way this is happening I thought Ukraine were gonna, and they had an opportunity the moment um like um I think it was the 81st minute they had another opportunity which was looking like it was going to swing the game um but then uh, Netherlands did pull it back and got everything back under control. Yeah, of course, Alex, Ukraine won today against North Macedonia 2-1, so they look like they're getting that third position. Do you reckon they're going a bit like underrated at the moment, especially because they did make a good comeback and they've got the win today, vital three points? Yeah, they have a, a very good squad underneath everything. Like They've got a few very good players, Yarmolenko, um, and yeah, they've not world-class players, but players that people don't really notice, but they play very well. And um, yeah, they definitely deserve something from, from the game against the Netherlands. Um, pulled it back on, like under, like without the odds in their favour. And then they were unlucky to, to concede to Dumfries in, I think it was five minutes left at the end, but uh, they ultimately got their win that they deserved uh, today against North Macedonia. So very good for them. Yep, their um, striker as well. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it Yukumbach or ah. it's, it's something along those lines? He looks really good, and he looks like he's going to get snapped up by a top club after the Yuran performances. Yuranchuk, y- yeah, that's his name. He looks like he's going to get um, snapped up by a couple of European clubs because his performances lately have been outstanding, especially up front and al- almost really overshadowing Yalomenko in a way. Uh, but Yalomenko did score that great goal, so you can't take that away from him. Uh, now the next game, the holders at the moment of the World Cup, France versus the previous holders, Germany. It was 1-0 in the end. Uh, the vital goal came through, and it's just going out of my head. Matt Swimmel's own goal, own goal uh, in the first half. Um, of course, France, they did look very good defensively and uh, on the attack, but why do you reckon Germany just couldn't get back into the game? Do you reckon the three-at-the-back system didn't really work uh, I think it was Gosens. He was playing at left wing back. It was his his first ever prof- like well not professional game, but his first ever proper cap in a tournament for Germany. And he didn't really make a lot from that left channel in a way. So why do you reckon Germany didn't get at least maybe a draw over France that good defensively? And they sort of went to a, a sort of parking the bus really in the latter stages of the game, didn't they? It definitely locked everything down. Germany didn't have much opportunities after France realised that um, they were winning, basically. I I think France were the better team. 
But I think you could see moments of brilliance which just didn't quite get to anything from Germany. Alex, why do you think France... I mean, they buried their chances, didn't they? Mbappe getting a goal that was offside, Benzema getting a goal that was offside. Do you reckon if those goals weren't ruled out, we would be thinking of the game a bit differently because the goals weren't converted in the end? Yeah, I think France's tactics were, were nearly spot on. Uh, they defended very resolutely and then when they could counter-attack, they definitely did. Uh, Mbappe was definitely the most dangerous player. Uh, and I mean, the midfield worked very well as well. I think Pogba and Kante especially worked very well together. Griezmann did his job defensively and then obviously Mbappe and Benzema linked very well uh, together. And I, as you said, I think if the goals weren't offside and they were by very slim margins, then um, it would have been a, a very different scoreline, obviously. And then, um, yeah, France will probably Pogba be... Pogba and Kante were different. You need to get Kante, Dan. <laughs> you know, you need to bring in Kante. Oh my God, they were different... Yeah, they were good. Kante was all over the pitch again. Who was that? A quote. They said it on commentary as well. So all of the the world's full of 70, 70% land and the rest of it's N'Golo Kante, the 30%. I heard that quote somewhere. 70% water. <laughs> oh, oh, 70% water. Yeah, well, well, well done, Joe. You could tell I didn't say geography. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. what I mean, what do we think of France? It's hard to judge a team after one performance, but... We spoke in our little chat about we reckon we could take England, but we reckon we could take down France. Now, we've just sort of reflected over it then. Joe, I know you don't want us to play defensively, but this one game, would you take an exception of playing defensively so France don't counter-attack us with pace? If we can beat France, then uh, I think we'll just beat them, however. But we can't. I don't think we can really sit through uh, defensively against teams like Scotland. I think with Scotland, especially because it's sort of a derby, we need to go all out, all guns blazing. And any teams that get through on third place, for example, Finland, maybe Sweden, um, I think. We should definitely just show the media especially what we can do because I'm just going to get bored watching Southgate scrape by and 1-0 wins. But, uh, yeah, if it's in the final against France or something, I don't, don't mind as much. But 4-2 against Germany in 66, we could see another one of them. For all we know. For all we know. I mean, if they come third, it's going to happen inevitably. But Alex, do you fancy our chances against Portugal and France on the latter stage of the knockout stage? Well, normally I'd probably say no. But seeing the performances like Portugal only really got into the game in the last five or six minutes of the game against... um, Who did they play? Hungary. And then um, France, even though they look like the much better team against Germany... They didn't really have like the same quality that they had in the, the 2018 World Cup. So, yeah, I think if everyone in our team's on their like, on their A game, I definitely think we stand a chance. Yeah, I think the way um, Germany played, I think France should have put that to bed more, uh, a lot better. Um, so I think it does speak to the difference in almost aggressiveness or threat. Um, this year the big games now upcoming this week that we've not spoken about we'll go first with the current European champions Portugal against three-time Euros winners Germany five o'clock on Saturday what's your score prediction for this one Alex I'll go for you first this time one one I think Sergio Abri is going to score one nil Portugal who's going to be the goal scorer Oh, Hernandez. I think, oh yeah, it was uh, against Hungary. Uh, they scored, Portugal scored two goals. That made Cristiano Ronaldo the all-time Euros goal scorer um, with 10 goals, overtaken, overtaken Michel Platini's nine goals in a single tournament with two hat-tricks. So yeah, very well done by Ronaldo. Next game, Switzerland versus Turkey, Sunday, five o'clock in Baku. So it's... The same 
time, but on a different day. Alec, I'll go to Joe first on this one, actually. Who are you going to go for for the win on this game, Joe? I'd like to see Turkey do it, you know? I think Turkey could win 1-0. Are you agreeing with Joe, Alex? I was actually going to go 1-0 Turkey as well, but I think I'll go 2-1 Turkey now to be original. 2-1, fair enough. Are we doing a Fredo Spreader for this? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) We still haven't got the Fredo. I know, yeah. uh, Are we sharing it? Yeah, Yeah. splitting it in half. Next time we need um, like one with the fans and I don't know what it's called, like Fogden does. Yeah. Get someone else to predict every week. Do you know he got H on last week or this this week? Oh yeah, he was, this is mad. H <laughs> gets on my nerves. <laughs> um... I'm down H. Come at me. Fight me. Actually, we could do YouTube versus rapper beef. JDA versus H. Next it could game. be the next big boxing event you heard it here first folks the next game Slovakia versus Luis Enrique Spain at 5 o'clock on Wednesday in Sevilla what's your score prediction Alex 2-0 to Spain Joe what's your score prediction 3-0 Spain then we'll go to the next. Are you door. not predicted? No. You I'm just letting you turn. Just want to be embarrassed. No, I don't. I'll get them right. Uh, we'll go on to their neighbours now. The holders versus the favourites. It's Portugal versus France Wednesday, eight o'clock Ooh. at the Puskas Stadium. A big, big game. Arguably the biggest game so far in the Euros when it takes place. What's your score prediction for this one, Joe? Two-one to France. Mbappe to score a hat trick. Yeah. With two two goals? Two one. (laughs) Two one. Oh, own goal. All right. Go on, Alex. What's yours? I'm going to go 3 0 France. Is it going to be an Mbappe hat trick like Joe's or not? Uh, No, it's going to be a N'Golo Kante double and then Luca Dean free kick. I mean, Luca Dean's not even started, but the the Kante bit I sort of get. Locatelli scored too, and he plays the same role as him. You don't him, know so he's he not started. Know. You don't know he's not starting. No, well, he hasn't started the previous game, so well yeah, but he it, could. It's he, the mentality. Could, but, Anyone's a winner. He could, but Lucas Hernandez looks like he's got it nailed on after the last five games that he's played for France. They play different roles, you see. If they want crossing, Dinier's got it all day, but if they want defending and Getting forward, like attacking quickly, it's Hernandez's role. And which one do you reckon they'll choose? Hernandez. I rest my case. Yeah, but so, if they do go for Luca Dean, he'll score. You're in the mud. They're not though. So I'm, I'm gonna get it right. I can tell you. I'm, I'm gonna get it right. He's well, not starting Luca Dean. One Dean. thing's for sure. Unless they you won't go over Luke and snap, sure. Unless you go over and snap Hernandez's legs, I don't believe you. He's got more chance of starting for France than uh, John McGinn does. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Tamari has completed his move to, to AC Milan from Chelsea. Uh, the centre-back's move for apparently £24 million, which personally I think that's a, a very good deal uh, for a, a very good young centre-back. Uh, Ashley Young is just being confirmed to be moving to Villa uh, on a free transfer. I think Joe will be happy with that one. Uh, Hoyt from Southampton's moved to Anderlecht for £3.4 million. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows much about him, but um, yeah, centre-back. And then Danny Rose has moved to Watford. He's not been playing that much for, for Tottenham this season, £2.7 million. Uh, I think that's a good signing for them. Uh, and then Wolves have signed... Uh, a Colombian centre-back who's 20 years old from Atletico Nacional for £4.5 million. Um, I'd try and pronounce his name, but it might come out wrong. Yerson uh, Mosquera. Uh, yeah, I hope you like that. And then 
I don't know if we're asking Joe how he feels about this one, but um, Aston Villa have completed the signing of uh, Buendia from Norwich for 17 million. I think that's a very good signing. I think that's an absolute banger of a signing. We snaked it from you and Arsenal. Thank you. I think uh, the Ash, Ashley Young, what do you want to think about that one as well, Joe? Because that will bring a lot of experience to the team. It'll bring a lot of defensive experience, yeah. I think it'll help um, Mings get uh, a more firm grip. I mean, he's a class defender, but I've been saying it for a while. He does make mistakes, and I think um, Young can help him to minimise the mistakes by cooling his head a little bit. Are you conscious that Young might slow the play down, especially if he plays left back because he is naturally right-footed and he doesn't use his left a lot? I don't think he'll be starting as left back because we have got a target in that position. I think he's more likely to um, like be someone that we sub in rather than full on replace target or Konza or uh, Matty Cash actually. But I think um, he'll be more of a utility defender and and someone that we put in as experience. Yeah, that's fair enough. Alex, any more? Uh, I haven't got any written down. I think Watford have signed a striker. I'm not sure of his name. I think he was from the Championship as well, but I don't think that'll be a, a very big transfer. So, um, yeah. You say yeah. that now. What should be the top Prem goal scorer of all time in uh, 10 years? I'm just going to look up his name, if that's all right with you, Dan. They've got a striker now, haven't they? Is it João Pedro? Oh, yeah, he's apparently very good. Uh, yeah. Since Ashley Fletcher from Middlesbrough. Oh, he played yeah. for you, didn't he? Yeah. He played for West Ham as well, I think. He's had a good season. Years old. Have you seen the uh, the 18-year-old that Chelsea are trying to uh, pin down? Yeah, supposed to be going like you or Milan, isn't he? Yeah. Did you see it on Rising Ballers, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> All the comments are saying go to Villa rather than Chelsea. Morgan and I think that's a fair decision because he'd probably rather stay in England being how young he is. And um, he's unlikely to get game time in the first team of Chelsea. But I reckon we could utilise him. Definitely. So that's all the transfer news wrapped up, I think. Yep, that's a bye from me. And me. And me. John McGinn to start as goalkeeper for France 2024.